Roberto and Tunza, and this guy next to me is Bernardo Corral. We'll be talking about whether the presence of extraterrestrial life in outer space is not only possible, but probable. It may be hard to imagine finding a planet full of gremlins or yodas. Society has always been mesmerized with the possibility of aliens. We've always wondered what they'd be like or what they'd look like. We've thought about how we'd want to greet them and whether or not they'd want to probe us. Uh, we've also tried to communicate with the aliens, however, we've gotten no reply. There could be many reasons for there being no reply, whether it be that they can't understand our message, or we're not sending it to the right part of space, or they chose not to answer our message for various reasons. As a human race altogether, we've always been fascinated with the aliens. However, we don't think of the consequences that could occur by meeting them. We could not have immunity to certain diseases they might bring, and our entire race could be wiped out, or vice versa. They could also want to exterminate us if they were able to find Earth's location, which is always not a good thing. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here, because we don't even know if there are aliens. And although there may be some people who say aliens aren't real, we shall say to them, you're born. If Earth was able to provide life, then there is no reason that there can't be another planet somewhere in our vast immensely huge and ever-expanding universe that can also provide life. If all we did was play the chance game, we can logically conclude that if our universe has 200 billion to 2 trillion galaxies, each containing millions or billions of stars, there is at least one planet out there with life on it. It also helps that the four most common elements in our universe are hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. If you notice, these are also the most common elements found in our bodies. If you think about it, the building blocks for life are located all throughout our universe, further adding to the possibility of life occurring somewhere else other than Earth. If a planet managed to be rich in these resources and possibly had a spot within a star's Goldilocks zone, it would only take time before intelligent life roamed the planet. I can assure you, a star does not have three bears and a blonde German girl orbiting it. A star's Goldilocks zone is just an area around a star where the temperature is just right, not being too cold or too hot, allowing life to thrive in this area. As a matter of fact, our Earth is in the sun's Goldilocks zone, further proving that with the right variables and a long enough time passing, life can thrive. By only looking for planets that have a good amount of natural resources and have a place in the Goldilocks zone, we place our entry universe to a funnel and wait for only the planets best suited for the life to trickle down into our group. As a matter of fact, there has been a recent lead in our search for invaders and they found their lead in a star system called Alpha Centauri. It's actually the closest star system to us. The funny part is that until recently, scientists believe that no life would be able to thrive there because of the massive amounts of radiation coming from a star in the system. Yet now with recent advancements in technology, we've been able to look past this singular star and we're able to find two very promising stars. Those stars known as Proxima A and Proxima C are actually better suited host planets with life on it than our own suns. As a matter of fact, those two stars are less radioactive than our own sun. I'm kind of getting jealous. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it, uh, it appears that Bernardo's been kidnapped by some aliens. That was, that was a girly scream, too. Christ.
All right, well, since Bernardo's probably getting probed right now, I'm going to have to get a new co-host. Um, this man's identity will be, shall remain anonymous. Um, his voice will be distorted, and we shall refer to him as Cam. We're going to call him right now. All right, what's up, Cam? I, uh, I already messaged you what the plan was, so... I'm just going to start off by reading my line, and then you're going to finish with your line. We're going to keep going from there, alright? I'm starting. Although searching for life on planets inside of the Goldilocks zone might help, it's not 100% effective. Case in point, being that Mars and Venus are in the zone, yet they bear no life. Recently, the solar winds from our sun strip and absorb the Mars atmosphere layer by the layer until only a thin carbon dioxide layer was left. In Venus's case, it gets a little complicated, so try not to lose your head. Due to the sun getting hotter, all the water on Venus vaporized, turning into gas. So when other heat rays began to hit the surface, not only did they hit the surface and increase the temperature, but when they were supposed to bounce off the planet in order to make sure the planet doesn't get too hot, all the heat rays got caught in the gas, causing the planet to become even hotter and eventually turn into one large sauna. Something else that would throw a wrench in the works of finding life in outer space is we're only looking for carbon-based life forms, but we don't know if all life forms have to be carbon-based. And Venus's two point out would be the Fermi Paradox, a theory created by an Italian physicist named Enrico Fermi. It basically explains our lack of extraterrestrials. Fermi concludes that any civilization in space with modest rocket technology should be exploring the cosmos and should have already met us. His main points in the argument is, one, aliens chose never to come to Earth. Two, our advanced legislations have arose too recently for aliens to reach us. Three, aliens have come before we just never noticed them. And four, they have come across some physical difficulty making space travel infeasible. The most interesting of his points would be his second one, because it's basically saying that we evolved earlier and faster than any other life in the known universe, thus causing us to be alone in the universe for now. What was interesting about his theory is that he would never flat out say that aliens aren't real, which is probably due to him being a physicist, since he has a deep understanding of chemistry, biology, radiation, and structures of atoms. He knows that aliens being alive does not only cause Alright, thanks Cam, but uh, I can do the rest by myself now. Anyways, back to the podcast. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why extraterrestrial existence is possible. But before I end this, I need to make one last point. Earlier, Bernardo, before he got abducted, talked about how we tried to communicate with aliens and got no response. Just because of this, people will say that aliens aren't real. However, my rebuttal is simply this. When we first tried communicating with alien, but aliens, we were using radio waves since we didn't know what type of technology they had. But now, we have begun to use optical SETI. SETI stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Anyways, optical SETI is basically pulses of light used to communicate with other beings. Hopefully. 
Currently, this is all we can manage with modern-day technology, which either means the aliens aren't as advanced as us and can't communicate with us due to lack of decent technology, or we are not advanced enough to talk with them due to our lack of decent technology, which should explain why we can't communicate with them. But just because we can't communicate with them doesn't mean they aren't there. Holy... Hey, I think that's Bernardo, bro. Hey, oh... Oh, he's he's walking kind of fun. Oh, he they did that to him. Oh, oh.